0: Okay. Um, that's all the questions that I have. Uh, I guess the um, last minute question is not necessarily how are you doing today, but how are you doing right now with everything considering?
1: A little shook to the center of my core that I went to this much detail about hospital <laughs> visits and all this personal stuff, but also happy that it's out there because the fact that I'm able to say it into a microphone with other people in the room and just talk about it shows me that I'm through I'm not necessarily beating it, but I'm keeping a handle on it and just being able to talk about it for me personally is a huge step in my own personal growth and self care. And I'm so happy that I ended up doing this, even though it may have been potentially nerve wracking in the beginning. So thank you.
0: You just heard a bit from today's guest about how he's doing after an extremely intense conversation we had with him, which you'll hear about more later in this episode. Welcome to A Familiar Place, a podcast where our guests share their personal mental health stories, all in the hopes of helping our listeners feel less alone. I'm Anne. And I'm
2: Elizabeth. In this podcast, we'll be talking about some sensitive issues, but we're doing our best to create a safe space for our guests. Please keep in mind we aren't trained professionals, we're simply initiating a conversation that we think is lacking in our society.
0: Because we'll be discussing some hefty topics, this episode contains a trigger warning. If discussions about suicide and or suicidal thoughts are triggering for you, you should not listen to this episode. Because of the serious and personal nature of today's conversation, our guest, a senior biology major at the University of Texas at Austin, asked us to withhold his name so as to lessen the risk of jeopardizing future employment opportunities. Due to the stigma that persists around mental health, something that we as a team are actively trying to face, we'll be referring to him as Kay throughout the episode. So as you heard, Kay has been
2: struggling with his mental health for a fair portion of his life. His struggles worsened once he came to college and lost contact with his support system, but he didn't always struggle with anxiety and depression. Growing up, Kay was a carefree kid. He had a good relationship with his parents and a positive outlook on life.
1: I used to be a very kind, open-hearted, sort of sort of naive individual in a way that was very trusting and really just wanted to see the good in people since that's kind of how I was raised and how I wanted the world to kind of be in a way because I was that way, so I thought if I was that way, everyone else could be that way and it would be a lot nicer to be and I was that way from all, all the way up until I was 12, which was the first time that we actually end, my me and my family excluding my brother I ended up moving to India and then that's when mental health started playing a significant factor in my life even though I wasn't fully aware of it yet.
2: When Kay was in 7th grade, he and his parents moved to India for his father's job. His brother, who was 7 years older, stayed behind to attend college. The move proved to be hard for Kay. Making friends wasn't easy, and he was bullied by his peers, causing him to isolate himself. Kay remembers one incident that happened early on as he took the bus home from school.
1: And then I remember a week later, of course these people still bully me on the bus all the time since that's the free time they got, but a week later there was one of them who t- tried to be my friend and then ended up actually being part of the whole crew that ended up, first of all, Pouring hand sanitizer over my head in an attempt to shampoo my hair on the bus and then when that didn't work they would take the brush that they used to clean the seats in the bottom of the bus and beat me with it in an attempt to clean the hand sanitizer and everything else off me and it was a whole bunch of experiences like that that pretty much ended every day with me running off the bus crying and running back to my room and not doing anything for a solid couple of hours before that and, of course, as I'm sure you can tell from now, that pretty much put me in a very different place than where I wanted to be. And I became a lot more quiet, reserved, guarded, stone-hearted, kind of, was what I was going for. And that stuck for quite a while from seventh and eighth, for 7th and 8th grade.
2: At the end of 8th grade, his parents decided to move back to the U.S., but his stay in the States was brief. Six months later, he was back in India, and for those first couple of years back, Kay didn't attempt to make any friends.
1: I realized, because the first time we moved, I realized I'm not going to see these people again. Then I realized if we move once, we're probably going to move again. So what's the point of trying to make new friends? Because what's the point? I'm going to lose them again. There's a high potential for that, whether it's in college or in high school or some other time. So why bother opening myself up? So, yeah, that pretty much... I didn't realize it at the time, but that was pretty much what depression was like for me for middle school and high school. I did not want to do anything, hang out with anyone. I just wanted to keep to myself and do absolutely nothing.
2: Although he told his parents about the bullying, he tried not to show them how much it was really bothering him. Instead, Kay strived to be the good kid that his parents never had to worry about.
1: Yeah, I told my parents and uh, it was more about the bullying more than making friends and they gave me a lot of advice, actually, which I may have taken too much to heart because uh, one example I remember specifically is I'm not sure if any of y'all have read this, but there's this book series called The Young Samurai, which is basically a spinoff of the book Shogun by James Clavell for younger readers. And this wise old sensei basically says, just let yourself be like water because people can throw stones or whatever they want in you and the ripples will the ripples will be there but eventually they'll just fade away and I kind of took that one really to heart and probably not in the way that my parents wanted me to but that's kind of where the stone-hearted thing kind of came up in because like everything fades away over time so why bother reacting to a lot of it. The whole time that we were in India they were worried about my brother since again he was in college starting his first job and going through all these important milestones and I was just going to school. So I was kind of that constant for them. And while I was there, I also kind of realized that, hey, my brother is going through some stuff. My parents really want to help him, but they're not sure how they can. So I kind of I kind of resolved internally to be that stone for them, that person that they did not have to worry about so that they could focus all my attention on my brother, who was not there physically so that he could get whatever he needed. So that's also why I kind of was more reserved and didn't go to parties and focus mainly on studies because that way I could be the good child, the one that they could just know was there chugging along, doing whatever he has to do, and focus on my brother, who who I felt was going through a lot more important things than mine.
0: Kay attended a small international high school in India, his class consisted of a grand total of 10 people, and that's before they split into smaller groups for electives. As a result, he was forced to get to know and interact with everyone day in and day out. He had specialized attention from teachers and always had to be prepared to talk in class, so you can imagine the shock he experienced when he came to college at UT.
1: Again, in terms of anxiety just transitioning from 10 to, like, 10,000, brought on my anxiety in a large way, which is why I wasn't able to raise my hand in class or talk much outside of class unless it was with a specific purpose in mind. I'd always try and just get to the root of the conversation as quickly as possible so I can just get out, go back to where I was comfortable, which was my dorm room. And for my first year, I really did not spend a lot of time outside of that dorm room just because that was the one place where I felt safe. I didn't have to talk to people. I could just do what I wanted, be who I wanted to be without fear of being judged. and yeah, and then every time there's a new professor who you have to get to know and then there's the fear of new people who will again make the, may or may not make the same judgment of, oh, look at that kid, he's so stupid, he, he raised his hand, he doesn't understand, oh, he didn't do the reading, I don't know what's going on with it, maybe he's just not worth talking to. When it comes to UT, it's just like there's a whole bunch of faces that you just don't know and you don't know how they're going to react to you asking a question or how they'll judge you, whether, if they will judge you and... It's just quite nerve-wracking, or it was quite nerve-wracking for me to just even contemplate the idea of raising my hand up in this class of full of just unfamiliar people who, and I had no idea what their experiences were like, what their knowledge base was like, whether they were better than me, whether they didn't know anything, so it was just really hard for me to kind of come out of my shell again after forcing me to do it three different times, middle school, high school, and now in college, so yeah.
0: The anxiety and stress of transitioning to UT led Kay to fall back into old habits that he had in high school, mainly falling into the role of the smart friend. This led to surface-level friendships focused around studying rather than the development of deeper connections.
1: I'm pretty sure that all the UT students know that they place you in a fig. I'm not sure if that's still a thing, but it's like a first-year interest group, where it's basically just you and a small group of students that's meant to acclimatize you to the larger UT population. And Within that fig, I still kept my reputation as the smart guy who's willing and ready to help, and it was a way for me to get to know people and made me feel like I wasn't alone. But, and I did get to know them on like a superficial level. But looking back on it, it was really just, it felt like everyone was just using me for my brain mostly, and kind of getting to know me as kind of like a byproduct of again using my brain. And that was what I thought was, were friends at the time. But really, after that first semester, it was, they pretty much disappeared off the face of the earth. And I did too, kind of. I mean, I still see them around on campus. And I recognize them, but it doesn't seem like anybody recognizes me anymore. But again, I was back where I started in high school. No new friends. Again, classes that were difficult. And then it was just really difficult for me to make friends and open up to people still. So that pretty much brought my depression back, and I'll uh, be not in a much lar- It comes back in a much larger way, but that was again the onset of depression.
0: At the end of his second year, Kay's parents returned to India. Instead of being half an hour away, his parents were now halfway across the world. This disconnect caused Kay's grades to plummet.
1: The problem with that was throughout the first, throughout my first two years, I would come home every other week. So even if I didn't have any friends or was anxious in class home was like my refuge kind of even from my dorm room just because my parents were there and they were that constant that I was kind of missing so again that really didn't motivate me to make friends at all just because I knew they would always be there but then once my parents moved it was getting right back to square zero and that was when depression really hit just because I thought they would be there for me. And even though I knew they weren't there, I still wanted to be that stalwart stone child for them. But I couldn't do it anymore. And that's when grades for me started to slip. And that mindset continued for a while. And whenever my parents would ask, oh, how are you doing? I'd always just say, I'm fine. Grades are fine. Everything is just fine. Don't worry about me. I'm doing fine. And they bought it for quite a while.
0: Kay, his subpar grades in failed classes served as a way to push back against his parents for moving so far away from him.
1: Of course, granted, I was also trying to process the emotions of them leaving, but there was also a small part of me that said, ha, this is, this is what I'm doing now since you left, and this is what you seem to value, and I valued you, and now you're not there, so let me try and chip away a little bit at what you value.
2: Despite his worsening struggles with grades and mental health, Kay kept up the facade of being the perfect son and the perfect student, digging himself into a deeper and deeper hole. But there was one thing Kay was having a hard time escaping from. Any pre-med student will tell you how crucial the MCAT is. And as a bio major hoping to become a psychiatrist, it was important for Kay to take and succeed at the nearly 8-hour long exam. It quickly became one of his biggest stressors.
1: But of course I had to take the MCAT, which was a struggle. Ooh, it was a struggle. And speaking of it being a struggle, in terms of complete honesty, I studied for it three different times and I backed out of it three times. Just because every time right before test day, I took I did all the tests, I took practice exams, but right before the week before, I just got so anxious that I was pretty much putting all hopes of my future in this one test that took that took that takes eight hours out of you every single day, and it's just I could not handle it. I mean, I knew I had studied the material, it's just my brain could not handle it, so I backed out of it every single time. And I still told my parents that, hey, I took the MCAT, it went well.
2: As the semester came to a close, Kay realized that the support system he had developed through his connections on campus would leave once graduation came around.
0: This next portion might be triggering to some listeners. The stress of lying, the loss of graduating friends, and the pressure from impending finals and yet another MCAT brought Kay to his breaking point. Two days before his first final, Kay attempted suicide, but Kay stopped himself from going through with it, and he eventually crawled back into bed. The next morning, Kay immediately called the Counseling and Mental Health Center at UT, and with them, helped check himself into Shoal Creek Hospital with Seton Behavioral Healthcare. Now is an
2: important time to note. If you're feeling suicidal, you can call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. Or if you feel more comfortable texting, you can text the Crisis Text Line at 741741.
0: Kay stayed at Shoal Creek Hospital for three days. It was during this stay that Kay began to realize the importance of being open about his problems and confronting them. Kay has already spoken about the anxiety he experiences when confronted with talking to new, unfamiliar people, so being at a hospital was difficult for him. But he soon found activities that helped him.
1: I didn't know anyone, and I was still kind of shell-shocked and nervous, but this one woman just came up to me, and she was so happy and open, and she asked me if I wanted to call her, and I said, sure, because I haven't done coloring since fifth grade. Since after fifth grade, I realized, hey, I'm not good at art. I don't like doing art, so I really would not like to do art anymore. But here I am in Seaton Behavioral Hospital, and I'm just coloring in this diagram that's, I was a window, or it was a geometric pattern or something. I don't remember, but I'm just sitting there coloring, and it's, oddly relaxing and therapeutic and comforting just because I don't have to think about who else is there, what I'm going to do next, what's going to happen next. I can just focus on coloring in each little square or segment one little piece at a time. And I remember I spent some time just drawing lines and kind of like making mazes and seeing if I could go from one end of the maze to the other. But I eventually started writing and I wrote these letters to kind of myself about how I landed up in this situation, how to kind of better myself. And I remember the first, one of the first things that I remember writing was, no person is an island. Feel free to talk to people. And I wrote that on three different sheets of paper, three different times. And that was always the first point that I wrote. That first night, there was just a group of patients there in the activity room at around nine or so talking. And this older lady just invited me into the circle like she known me for a while and I wasn't this new person that just came into the hospital that day and we all just started talking and I told him that I suffer from anxiety of course I didn't tell him about my suicide time specifically it's just that I suffer from anxiety when I'm put in a new situation and new people and the first thing that old lady said to me was, you do? I couldn't tell. You're talking to all of us right now and it's like, I can't tell at all and Really just just having her say those words out loud that she couldn't tell, that I was this big ball of stress inside, it really just helped me calm down and kind of relax and sort of acclimatize to the place a little bit just because, again, she was going through her own things and everyone in that circle was going through their own things, but we still had a level playing field that was we're all suffering from something. It's going to be better if we all talk about it in some way, shape, or form.
2: While Kay became more comfortable talking to the other people in the hospital, he knew there was still one other conversation he needed to have. He had to call his parents.
1: That was really, of course, they were shocked to find out that I had attempted suicide just because I was lying to them at this point. It seemed like everything was fine. So for, to them, this was like a huge shock. It's like, how could you keep this secret from us? Because we thought you were fine, but clearly you're not.
2: Kay also told his brother, who had a completely different reaction when he learned what had been going on with him.
1: I told him everything, and in comparison to my parents, who were shocked, he he just took it in stride. He said, "Okay, I see that this happened. Just tell me one thing: Are you gonna? Are you thinking about doing it again?" I said, "No." I saw this whole different side of him that was just a lot more open and caring, and so much less judging than I thought it would be. Because he just wanted to make sure that I was okay, that how I want to share that I was being treated okay and he just wanted to ensure that really everything was just okay and he didn't judge me at all he just said all right I see how this may have happened if you want to talk about it more I'm here for it and I did I ended up talking to him a little bit about how it happened and then it was just He was just a lot more open and kind with a lot of the stuff than I thought he would be because I thought he would be like my parents who who wanted to jump on it and say, why, 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 why? But he was just there for me, and it was just so nice. So that really changed our relationship since then.
2: Through talking with his brother, Kay realized he wanted to replicate that relationship, that closeness and openness his brother had with their parents. But there was something stopping him.
1: And then when we do talk, I still have issues opening up to them about my... I still believe she was opening up to a lot of people, actually, just about the day-to-day things, because me and my parents recently had this discussion where with my brother, he tells them everything, pretty much like even if it's something as simple as I went to Chipotle for lunch today, I don't tell them that. I I still sometimes just say classes went fine, and we talked about it, and I realized that the reason that my brother and my parents have that connection is because he tells them those minute details that I think are unimportant to me, at least just because... They're, for me, they're daily occurrence, like, hey, I went to class, I saw these people. But it's those those daily things and the little things that actually help forge that bond. So recently, I've been attempting to talk to them more and tell them more about those little things, since that's how a bond is like proper, how I've seen a bond be properly formed. And that's the bond, I'm sure, that both me and my parents want. So we're working towards it again. But yes, it's very much different from middle school and high school and It's so much better than it ever was throughout that whole time.
2: Kay had some major realizations in the hospital. Although Seton Behavioral Healthcare's main goal is to get patients back to a base level, Kay knew he had to keep working to improve his mental health. He started taking steps to build strong bonds with his parents and his friends and be a more open person. He also addressed one of his major underlying stressors, the anxiety he had surrounding his area of study.
1: It was a really difficult semester, but we managed to work it out eventually, and now I'm a BSA major instead of a BS, and I couldn't be happier because it's put a lot of less stress on me since I'm no longer lying to my parents. I actually enjoy a lot of the classes I'm taking because they're less science-related and more liberal arts or more holistic in their viewpoints. And My anxiety is uh, still there quite a bit, but I've found people that I can trust and confide in.
0: Kay learned to focus on his current relationships with his friends in the University Theater Guild, or UTG. When he's with UTG, all of his worries about school and life fade away, and he feels happy and light, more like that kid he was when growing
1: up. Everyone was just so open and welcoming. It it gave me a sense of comfort that I felt I'd lost, and it was really just made me free to be myself that, and kind of come back to that person I was before all this stuff happened in middle school. and kind of regain that kind, sort of naive person that I kind of was, who's trusting and ready to believe of the best in people. And every semester since then, it's just, I had learned more about these people and it makes me want to open up to them more and get to know them more and work with them more. And every semester when a show wraps, it's just, I miss them so much. And I really just can't wait to see them again at the next semester just because Believe it or not, however cliche it is, UTG has pretty much become my second home, and I cannot thank them enough for all the stuff that they've done for me, knowingly or otherwise. I know that I've gone through a whole bunch of stuff, and I feel that sharing my story is both an important step for me, and acknowledging it in a public space, and saying, this is what I went through, this is what I'm still going through, and... Hopefully that through hearing my story, it validate uh, Well, saying my own story out lot kind of validates it for me while I'm also acknowledging it personally. And hopefully this gives anyone else who's struggling kind of hope that even though it may seem pretty bad, there is also a light at the end of the tunnel somewhere. It may take a while to get there, but it's there.
0: And, I mean, we wholeheartedly agree with that yeah. kind of... Because, I mean, that's the reason why we're doing this.
2: Yeah, for sure. I think it takes a lot to be able to, like open up about super personal things to Mm. someone that you like haven't even met and like now you're here like sharing it to everyone else props snaps
0: (laughs) thank you um yeah okay so thank you so much for for joining us um for having me of course and uh thank you elizabeth for helping and banging into table no that's okay i did that too uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> no thank you so much for for helping and and yeah oh, i no think problem. you're gonna be oh you're gonna be our third episode i think awesome our final episode of that of that little like batch this semester, this semester yeah. not our final final episode because we want to keep this going okay. um but yeah no seriously thank you um for trusting us with your story and for for opening up like that it it really makes a difference and I mean, you and and Debbie and uh, Alex Alex are all reasons that we want to do this. And many more people that we haven't even talked to or that we've probably never talked to. But it's like, hey, we're here.
2: For everyone listening to this, know that if you're going through a hard time and need some
0: support, it's out there. So again, if you're feeling down or in need of help please don't hesitate to reach out to a mental health professional or call a helpline. The number for the National Suicide Helpline is 1-800-273-8255. A Familiar Place is hosted by Elizabeth Wong, Anna Kate Hutton, Shelby Stebler, and myself, Anne Morris. This episode in particular was edited by Elizabeth Wong and Anne Morris. Thanks to Lakey Inspired for his use of his songs Distant and Last Nights. His music is licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution License. You can find his music on SoundCloud or YouTube at Lakey Inspired. And be sure to follow us to get regular updates and find out when we post new episodes. We
2: hope this podcast has helped you in some way today, and hope you continue the conversation elsewhere. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time at a familiar place.
0: Yeah, you're gonna be you're gonna be graduating.
1: Yep, next semester. Kinda of wish I didn't, but I gotta get <laughs> in the real mood. world sometime.
0: I mean Elizabeth, you're graduating yeah, I'm this also semester. A Guess you got any like uh, parting words? Any parting words of wisdom?
2: Oh no, I have no wisdom whatsoever. <laughs> I have a single brain cell. So.
1: <laughs> All that U T leaves you with.
2: Yeah. yeah.